Let me give you, Paul Feinbaum, the following scenarios, okay? Oklahoma beats Baylor and wins the Big 12. Utah beats Oregon and wins the Pac-12. And LSU takes care of business against Georgia. Who gets the fourth spot? Oklahoma's getting in. Because let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's Utah. So, I got, I got news for you. Oklahoma ain't going to be any better. Whoever gets in at four, congratulations. You made the college football playoff. You will have no impact on the playoffs. Okay. If you're an Oklahoma fan listening to that segment, you're like, yeah, yeah, I finally agree with Paul Feinbaum. This is great. Oh, David Pollack brought me right back down to earth. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to talk to the Athletics' Jason Kersey. So get excited about that. We're talking to him about Oklahoma and Baylor's playoff chances, and maybe he'll be way more positive about what happens if either one of these teams makes the playoff. Uh, But then you think about Chase Young from Ohio State coming off the edge and crushing your quarterback and Joe Burrow from LSU passing it all over your defense. And Yeah, maybe we don't want to make the playoff. Anyway, this is the Big 12 Bullets. I love bringing you up and then and then uh, pulling you right back down and then building you up again and then pulling you right back down because this is the college football life. Welcome to the Big 12 Bullets. I'm very excited about this episode. We have a special guest from what I think is probably the world's greatest publication outside of Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets, the newsletter that I write every week that comes out on Thursday mornings. Uh, Jason Kersey works for The Athletic, which is awesome, and you should subscribe to it. And uh, there's a lot of good deals. Um, there was a good Cyber Monday deal. I'm sure there's going to be a Christmas deal. You get a good deal on The Athletic. And what you get with The Athletic is great stories with no ads, no autoplay videos. Autoplay videos are the bane of my existence. I will click off your website if there's an autoplay video. It's not like going to a local news site. You guys ever done that? You go to a local news site and you get the uh, the slider video on the bottom right that auto plays with volume, it's some weird ad. Then you get the large video at the top that auto plays an ad. And then you get like the flashing pop up on the left side. And then all of your screen switches, right? When you finally figure out what paragraph you're trying to read, it all zooms up because one of the ads has disappeared. Yeah, you don't get any of that with The Athletic. It's great. And Jason Kersey is one of the best writers. He is the Oklahoma beat writer. Uh, but don't let that discourage you if you're not an Oklahoma fan. You should still listen to this interview because it's good. And we talked Baylor first. So if you're a Baylor fan, we're going to talk good about Baylor. Don't worry. But Jason Kersey's got some great stories. Um, I love the the line he opened with in his story about the college football playoff rankings this weekend where he says, maybe Oklahoma should have lost on a Friday night to Kansas State instead of a Saturday morning because uh, Rob Mullins of the college football playoff in his sort of argument in favor of Utah saying their loss wasn't as bad as Oklahoma said that was on a Friday night. I didn't know that the night of the week mattered uh, for a loss, but apparently it does. And, and Jason Kersey's really good at kind of including little, little tidbits of, of humor and, and irony in his pieces that sometimes are, you know, he does really serious pieces and then sometimes he does more lighthearted pieces. Um, but all of that you get with the athletic 
I don't work for them. So this is, I don't benefit if you sign up, but I just think you should. And then I can share articles with you without worrying about whether you've signed up for The Athletic. We're going to jump into this interview with Jason. Very exciting. Jason uh, was the uh, was covering Arkansas um, up until uh, the last year and uh, has moved back to Norman recently. He, he was an Oklahoma grad, but he is not he's not like me. He's not still a fan. He is a solid, unbiased reporter who just happens to watch Oklahoma a lot, so he knows a lot about them. Way more, in fact, than I do, which is not that hard. But he also watches Baylor. I watch Baylor as well. We're going to talk about Oklahoma and Baylor in the Big 12 Championship game. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. And stay tuned at the end for a little bit of coaching search rumors involving one Mr. Bob Stoops. So listen to this great interview with Jason Kersey of The Athletic. All right, and we want to welcome in The Athletic's Jason Kersey. Jason, welcome to the Big 12 Bullets Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. So let's let's start off with how can people follow you? Uh, obviously, they got to sign up for The Athletic. Why should they sign up for The Athletic? Um, I'm a big promoter, but... Let's hear from you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I, I've worked at the athletic now for uh, a little over two years, I guess, started in the summer of 2017. Um, and yeah, I, I, uh, I love it. It's, um, I, I, I think that uh, the thing that I'm the most proud of is that, uh, the fact that we, the, the athletic has given us, uh, the writers that work there, the opportunity to do, um, projects to do big stories uh, the time to do those stories the there's very little uh, fluff there's very little um we'll, you know clickbait there's uh, no autoplay videos there's no ads on the site what you pay what you pay for is to have a very clean um smooth uh, experience with high quality writing and they've really invested in it and uh you know at, people uh, people love it i i've had a lot of people tell me that once they read some stuff on the athletic when they go to other sites that you know the the ads they notice the ads a lot more um so it's a very clean experience and, and we work really hard to provide uh, really high quality high quality work so um if nobody is subscribed i would if anyone out there pardon me it's not yet subscribed i would um i sure uh, sure appreciate it if they did and i'm on twitter <laughs> at uh, jason kersey k-e-r-s-e-y Awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's my favorite part about it is just the, uh, the, the cleanness, the no ads, the no autoplay videos. You don't realize how great it is to not have those things until you go to a site where they're not there. Um, so yeah, so let's jump into big, obviously huge game this weekend. We're going to talk about the, the playoff rankings and, and all of that as we go along and, and you're the Oklahoma beat writer for the athletic. I went to Oklahoma. We'll talk about Oklahoma, but I want to start with a question about Baylor. Everyone, I feel like in the national conversation is saying, oh, it's Oklahoma versus Utah. If Oklahoma wins, their resume is better than Utah or vice versa. Do you feel like it's the same thing if Baylor wins this game? Because I do. I think they would have a better resume than Utah, but I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I think... um... I think that if Baylor wins the game, they are definitely in the conversation. They and they should be in the conversation. Um, they've earned the right to be in this conversation uh, by their play. Now, I know 
uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of things in Baylor's uh, schedule, a lot of things throughout this season that sort of make people skittish about Baylor. Uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, the the early season uh, eight point win over Rice um, lingers there. Uh, the you know needing a, a very controversial call uh, to to get past Texas Tech uh, overtime against TCU. Um, very close game against West Virginia. I mean, all of those things um, sort of add up. And I think when, when people compare Utah to Baylor, um, they're going to see a lot of dominant wins by Utah and not very many of those kinds of wins by Baylor. Now, the flip side of that is that Baylor has won their games. Um, they've, you know, it's probably debatable about whether the schedule strength. I mean, Baylor played against Oklahoma and lost by one point at home. They have a chance to avenge that loss. If they avenge that loss, they'll be able to say what Oklahoma said last year, which is they beat everybody on their schedule because um, Oklahoma lost to Texas in the regular season, but avenged that in the Big 12 title game. So they would have that. They would have the win over the number seventeen or over the number six team, and their only loss would have been to that same number six team uh, in, in sort of a crazy comeback um, uh, down in Waco. So. Um, you know, I, I think that if Baylor, if Baylor was to win, they would definitely belong in the conversation. I think it would be harder for them to get in ahead of uh, Utah, harder for them to get in ahead of Utah than would for Oklahoma to get in ahead of Utah. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. I think part of it is that is that uh, you know uh, Oklahoma um, had you know had, seems to have. Maybe, uh, you know, play. I, I, I almost say they played a tougher schedule, but I'm not even really sure you can say that. I mean, UCLA uh, was not uh, a challenge in the least out in Pasadena. <laughs> there were way more OU fans there than there were uh, UCLA fans. Um, there was, uh, you know, they played South Dakota and they played a Houston team that has not turned out to be very good. Now, on the other hand, they had Derek King at the time. It was the opener. So Houston was probably a lot different team then than they are now but still um i'm not i'm you know but i I think ultimately the main thing that probably has me thinking that's going to be harder for baylor to jump utah than oklahoma is that uh and it's not fair to utah or to baylor it's not fair to anybody brand names matter Mm -hmm. um and they do and whether you know whether the committee will admit that whether they even realize they're doing that's the other thing i think people maybe don't think about is that you know we all have our our own preconceived biases and uh you know notions and things that are in our head that we you know maybe subconsciously don't even realize that we're thinking but i do think that in college football brand and logos do matter and i think that it's going to be hard for the committee maybe at the end of the day to put Utah in over Oklahoma. Now, the fact that they stayed ahead of them this week, I think bodes well for Utah, but next week could be hard. They, if Oklahoma dominates Baylor, they're going to give them uh, a real um, excuse to, to make that move if they want to do it. And, you know, Baylor is going to have to uh, be very impressive in the win. They're going to have to win that game convincingly. And I don't know that they can. And so, um, now, if LSU beats Georgia like we all expect, and uh, Oklahoma or Baylor beats Oklahoma, and Oregon beats Utah on Friday night, I think Baylor's in, and I don't even know that there's any real debate about it, unless maybe Wisconsin beats Ohio State. I don't think that can happen, and I also don't think they put a two-loss team in. I know that was a long, rambling answer, so I'm sorry about that, but <laughs> there's just so much 
nuance to this and it's so complicated. No, I appreciate you you exploring all of the different scenarios because there's a lot that could happen. Um, I think that final scenario that you gave minus the potential Wisconsin win, which I would be shocked if that happened. Um, that final scenario, that gives the committee no choice. Baylor's in in that scenario, and, and that's really not that far-fetched. It's really just Oregon beating Utah and Baylor beating Oklahoma and, and LSU doing what we expect. And there you have somehow, some way, Baylor in the college football playoff, which is pretty crazy. Um, but I did want to ask you something. As we're talking about Baylor and we're talking about Utah, we're talking about the prestige of those teams. I'm sure you saw the fine bomb clip today where he was saying about the committee, they want Oklahoma, they want the brand name, all of that. But then at the end of that clip was was David Pollock saying, it doesn't matter. None of these three teams have a chance against LSU or Ohio State. And I wanted to ask you that. I think that, and it, this could be total my bias, and, and maybe you have the same bias as me because you watch this team play every week, but I don't think Baylor has a chance against Ohio State or LSU, and I don't know really anything about Utah enough to know whether they do, but I kind of doubt it. But I think Oklahoma, while they wouldn't be favored, they could beat them on their day. Do you think that they they would be totally outmatched, or, or am I on the right track? Um, you know, it, it, it's hard <clears> – <throat> These things are hard for me sometimes because, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, full disclosure, grew up an OU fan and went to OU. I'm not, I don't consider myself even remotely an OU fan anymore. I've covered them for way too long um, for that to for that to still be in my head. But but where my maybe bias comes in is that that's the only team that I have watched every one of their games this year. Right. Um, exactly. I I I, I have. Um, I've been at every game. I've watched every game with my own eyes. And then I've rewatched those games two or three times after the, the next day to do my follow stuff. So like, I, I do not have the same level of expertise or the same level of knowledge about Utah and Baylor. So it's, you know, so I, sometimes when I, when I, cause I'm inclined to answer your question and say that I agree that of those three teams, Oklahoma is the one that would have the best chance against LSU or Ohio state. Um, but I don't know if I'm saying that because I, you know, I, I'm trying to be honest and say that I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that because I have watched all those games and I have, I've watched some Baylor and I've watched very little Utah, um, at least full games. I've caught little bits here and there. So I, it, it's a little bit hard to answer the question, but I'm inclined to agree that Oklahoma has the, the, the team that could potentially do that because of Lincoln Riley's offense, because of, um, what they're able to do, the points that they're able to score. Um, although that's been a little bit different here these last several weeks, Oklahoma um, has been more of a grind it out and hold on to the ball and, and hasn't scored as many points the last um, three weeks. So, um, so I'm inclined to think that. I mean, but when you look at some of the numbers, you know, Utah uh, right now is in the top ten nationally in both uh, yards per play offensively and yards per play allowed defensively so i mean from that perspective you would think that utah is maybe the most complete team but then you have to factor in the schedule and that that they maybe haven't played the the same level of schedule that oklahoma and baylor have so it's just so difficult to parse all of those things and uh but but the bottom line is to be completely honest with you i don't think any of those i'm sort of with david pollock on this i don't see any of those three teams beating ohio state or lsu and especially not ohio state i think ohio state is the best team in the country. And when I watched some of that Michigan game the other day, I mean, I watched that game and honestly kind of had a 
had a thought like I think this team might might route OU. So I don't know that I agree that they would that they that that I think they could hang with them. Now anything can happen. Obviously, um, these are very talented players on the Oklahoma team, and uh, I don't want to cause a big uh, <laughs> a big stink or make a lot of people mad. I just don't. I just think that right now there are three teams that are so clearly above everybody else, and it's hard for me to imagine Oklahoma beating any of them, but especially Ohio State. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with you on that. And the the way I would argue maybe a, a case for Oklahoma is because of actually the way that one of the, you alluded to of the way the offense has been playing the last month controlling the ball so much and controlling the time of possession. And I feel like, and I, I would, I wonder if, if you agree with this, that that is maybe one of the biggest reasons that the Oklahoma defense has kind of done another turnaround after um, what was the uh, Iowa state game where they gave up 41 points. I guess really in the second half of that Baylor game is when it seems like they turned around again. And I wondered, do you feel like it's because of the way the offense controls the ball so that defense is fresh? Because we all know that defense isn't deep, but when you get those starters out there fresh, they can make plays. And I feel like that's the only way I can ever, I could see them competing with LSU. Um, And we'll throw Clemson in there too. Clemson, Ohio state or LSU is if they just were able to completely control the, the entire game offensively and defensively, but I, I don't know if that would happen. Yeah, I mean that's that's where that's where things get really interesting because um, yeah, I mean I, I would uh, I, I, I would agree that the, Baylor, the 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 second half of Baylor is where everything flipped for this defense. They have been really good ever since that second half of Baylor, um, and, and it all sort of hinged on that takeaway when they uh, when they forced that fumble and people you know may not remember, but that fumble came after like a 20 yard run. So so like the 20 yard run happens. And as that hasty is running that ball, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, well, you know, they're not, they're not going to stop them tonight. This is just back to what we saw in the first half. And then they forced that fumble and then everything changed. But, um, uh, so I do think that there's an element of getting that takeaway. It had been like four games since they'd had one. And I think that, uh, certainly sort of caused them to maybe loosen up a, a little bit and, and help them. But the other side of that is, like you said, I mean, I think, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think they were on the field for like 16 plays in the second half. It was something, it was an absurdly low number of plays that they played in the second half at Baylor because of the offense. And it was that way against TCU. I mean, they gave up 24 points, but seven of those were a pick six. Um, you know, so, I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, that wasn't really even uh, fair that that counts against them in their you know, scoring defense. Um, and then Oklahoma State, uh, it was the same thing. I mean, they had that third quarter. Oh, you had that third quarter drive that it was 11 plays and 93 yards and drained all that time off the clock and sort of wore down the Oklahoma State defense. And um, and so the OU defense got plenty of time to sit over there and, and rest up. And, uh, and so those things matter. And that's why I kind of think the best version of this OU team is what we saw against in the second half against Baylor and against Oklahoma State. An offense with Kennedy Brooks, just sort of, and Jalen Hurts just sort of pounding these guys, maybe go for some over-the-top plays. C.D. Lamb sometimes switch it up, but this is not the same Oklahoma team And the, the, as, the, as we've seen the last couple of years, and the positive for the defense out of that is they get plenty of time to rest, and I think absolutely that's made a big difference for them. Um, the question that I would have is, uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, and it's no offense to Baylor or Oklahoma State. That's fine, but, like, um, do, are, are we... 
do we believe that the OU offensive line, which I think has improved a lot, but is not nearly as good as the last year's group was, is going to, I mean, do we think that R.J. Proctor, who I think is a much improved player, can block Chase Young? <laughs> can, can he block? I mean, I, I can, can block him enough to do that kind of thing, to do that kind of ball control offense. I don't know that he can. No. And so that's we're talking about a completely different level of defensive front when we're talking about Ohio State. So that's where I think that gets a little bit murky. I, you know, yeah, if o, if OU can do that, if they are capable of doing that to Ohio State, then sure they they could do that. But I'm not convinced that they are capable of doing that to Ohio State. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and going back to the the game this weekend, obviously we know what happened when Baylor played OU, and and the feeling is obviously OU won that game. They figured all this stuff out in the second half, and and they're they're better than Baylor. But if we kind of take a, a step back, Baylor won one of those halves convincingly. Do you feel like Baylor is going into this game? with a defeatist attitude. I mean, obviously Matt rule and, and he's a great coach and all these guys they're going to tell their, their players, Hey, this, you guys are the team that dominated that first half, but do you feel like this game is going to be another one of those really close games? Do you think Oklahoma dominates because they have figured out that they're the better team? How do you feel like this game is going to go? Cause I have no idea. I think it could go so many different ways. Yeah, I, I think it could uh, go I think there's a lot of different directions it could go. It's hard for me to imagine the OU offense getting off to a, to such a slow start again. I mean, that's so rare for this offense. Even you know, even against Oklahoma State, I think they scored in four or five plays on their first drive. So they they've been sort of a fast starting offense. Um, so it's hard for me to imagine that happening again. Um, and so, but I don't think that Baylor has a defeat side because I think that if Baylor had had reacted the way I think many teams would have reacted to that sort of humiliation at home where you're winning, you have a 25-point lead in the second quarter and you lose at home. Um, I, I think a lot of teams, that would cause them to go out the next week against Texas, who I know Texas isn't as good as any of us thought they were going to be, but they're still a talented team, would have gone out and lost that game to Texas the next the next week. And they, they didn't, they not only didn't lose, they they thoroughly dominated them and then uh, then they had Kansas which you know that's a whole different thing but I mean they they, they don't seem like a team that has uh, suffered any sort of uh, you know uh, or has adopted any sort of defeatist or upset mindset after that Oklahoma game I still think they're a very formidable team and and I think they're probably uh, mad about the way that that game went and so I, I wouldn't expect um, them to just lay down for OU um, and, and I also, you know, a lot of people, uh, the, the big question, uh, you know, the big difference in this game is going to be that CeeDee Lamb's available for OU, I think, unless they do another bait and switch at the last minute. But yeah, I, you I, never know. All indications are he's going to play. And that's been, you know, that, that is a good point that, you know, when Jalen Hurts didn't have him in the first half, he seemed a little lost. But, um, but, but CeeDee Lamb has not been a huge part of this offense the last two weeks. Um, especially not in Stillwater. I mean, we saw the frustration sort of boil over for him. So um, I, he's he's a threat when he has the ball in his hands. He's, uh, you know, I, I think that based purely on what he's been able to do with his limited touches this year, he should probably win the Bolitnikov. I don't know that he will because I don't know that he's going to get enough catches uh, this weekend to win the Bolitnikov. But um, 
so I, 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 I'm just really interested to see if CeeDee Lamb actually makes a difference or not, or if this, uh, this offense looks like it did in Stillwater. And again, if it looks like it did in Stillwater, I think that's, that's the best version of them. Maybe with a CD Lamb pass thrown in or two. Yeah, that that would be that would be nice to include CD Lamb. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win the Bolitnikov because I think his his injury kind of happened right around the voting time as you start voting for those things. And you're right, he doesn't have the he's not going to get the the catches or the numbers this year um, that he would have last year. And uh, this is probably a discussion for another day. But I will be interested to see how the Oklahoma offense changes, probably back to what we expect next year with. Spencer Rattler, because um, it'll probably be a lot more passing and, and back to the Baker Kyler uh, version of the offense. But um, I will I will let you go. But I do have one uh, question for you. Obviously, Tom Herman gets rid of like his whole staff. <laughs> he, he's looking for a new offensive coordinator. He's looking for a new defensive coordinator. I just want to ask you because I know you're really good on this beat. I'm just going to throw a name out there. What do you think about Bob Stoops, defensive coordinator, Texas? <laughs> uh, sure. But it's going to be hard for him to do that while he's also coaching at uh, Florida State and at Missouri and at Arkansas and at USC. Uh, uh, Ole Miss, too. I mean, I'm just throwing out Ole Miss. I don't know. But. I mean, well, yeah, Ole Miss. I mean, he's, he's going to be a really busy guy next year, but I'm, maybe he can squeeze uh, the Texas defensive coordinator job into his busy schedule and, and we don't even know i mean maybe he'll try to coach uh, the renegades too i you know i don't know i mean it's a different um, season they, they're in the spring so he could yeah. probably pop on over yeah. And... yeah the florida state thing is um and i'm gonna have you know just I, i'm gonna have to eat uh, an amazing amount of crow if somehow he takes that florida state job because i i have thoroughly enjoyed the delusion uh on twitter I have a tweet deck column set up that just is Bob Stoops, and it's purely to read Florida State fans still <laughs> talking. I mean, I do it every day. It's a little bit of a sickness. I'm, I, I just love it so much. Uh, and I don't know if you saw today the guy <laughs> tweeted. I only saw it because of that column that uh, that you know, if Bob Stoops isn't the head coach at Florida State, I will donate one dollar for every retweet of this and. I was like, okay, I'm retweeting this. Yeah, for sure. Oh, because that was the other thing was is that uh, if if he's not the head coach, then everyone who retweets it has to donate five dollars to St. Jude's. I was like, that's great. I'll I'll donate to St. Jude's anyway. Sure. Yeah. But um, but I think the the last look it was up to around seventeen or eighteen hundred retweets. <laughs> so really, that guy. I, I hope that he has the money to make that donation because. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I none, nothing about that Bob Stoops Florida State thing has ever made any sense, and uh, I think it's I think it's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember when I was uh, when I was at OU, I took Al Eshbach's Sports and Society class, and he would bring I in. Spoke to that class uh, two weeks ago. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm not there anymore, but uh, I wish I would would have uh, heard you right. speak. But uh, yeah, he, we always had great guests. You know, Barry Switzer, Billy Tubbs, uh, Mike Stoops was actually super pleasant. The, one of the nicest guests we had, but Bob came, uh, not as pleasant, but uh, he w- told us that uh, I think it was maybe 2010, whenever Brian Kelly got hired at Notre Dame, he says he remembers watching on ESPN a report saying he was in South Bend interviewing for the job. And he's like, I saw that report at my house. I was in Norman watching on TV that I was in South Bend. Um, he's just always the guy that and it seems like he never actually does any of these interviews it's so funny well yeah i mean he's 
been connected. And, and I mean, I do think that, you know, there have been times during his OU career that he was tempted. I mean, I think he definitely uh, considered, strongly considered the Florida job at least once, and maybe twice when he was at OU. Um, I think he got contacted by a bunch of teams. I think he probably thought about, we know, I think in 2001 that he, he considered the Cleveland Browns uh, job. Um, so, I mean, he, he definitely has has entertained other jobs throughout the years. And I, I'm not even saying that I, don't, I think he'll never coach in college again. I doubt he will, uh, given the reasons that he wanted to step down from OU. I doubt he'll coach in college again. But if he, but if he did, I, you know, I, I could see him because of his Catholic background and growing up where he grew up, taking a shot at the Notre Dame job if that came open, or you know, maybe something like that. But uh, nothing about him going to Tallahassee, Florida, makes any sense. Cleaning like, up that mess. Literally nothing about that makes any sense. I know, and I would. I think if I was going to put a timeline on him ever coming back uh, to college, it's when Drake graduates. I think if if he doesn't have a, a you know Drake to watch in the fall, then I think he would consider it. But I really just not really knowing him that well. He wrote the foreword to my book, but I don't actually know him that well. Um, <laughs> I I don't think he's going to do anything that would jeopardize him being able to watch his son play. You know the next couple of years in college, or or that he would ever ever set up a situation where he might have to coach against his son. Because, For sure. Um, I, I think that we, uh, you know, I certainly remember, um, and I don't know if you do, but when uh, when they played Florida State and Mark was the uh, defensive coordinator, um, he was very open about how much he despised having to coach against his brother. So, I mean, I have, multiply that by 10,000. If, if there was ever a scenario where he's the head coach at, you know, Notre Dame or, or Florida State or <laughs> wherever, and they face OU in a bowl game, um, I, I think that would be an, um, I think that would be um, a nightmare. I think that would be hell for him. So, um, so no, it's it, again the, uh, the, under the right circumstances, maybe he comes back, maybe he takes a shot at the NFL someday. But nothing about the Florida State thing makes any sense. No, I totally agree. And really, any of these jobs, <laughs> although would we have ever guessed he would be coaching the Dallas Renegades in the XFL? Um, no, no, <laughs> in 2019. No, but it makes that actually makes a lot of sense because I think he misses coaching and misses the strategy and the football aspect. But he doesn't want to have it be a full time job like colleges. He doesn't want to have it be a 365, you know, a 24 hour 365 job the way the colleges. He doesn't want to have to recruit. Um, he doesn't. I mean, he, he doesn't even have to really live in Dallas except for a couple three months a year. Um, I think it's sort of the perfect way for him to scratch the coaching, the football edge without actually like, you know, without having to devote everything mm-hmm. to it again. Still gets to play some golf and he gets to coach all his former Sooners uh, on the D- Dallas Sooners Renegades with Landry Jones and um, all those other guys. I can't remember all of them. Jalen Saunders, I think. And um, it's like my the years that I was at OU, all those players are on the Renegades now. So very exciting for me as a Dallas resident. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, Jason, I really appreciate it. So follow you is it's just your name at Jason Kersey on Twitter. It is just, and, just my name. Yeah. And sign up for the athletic. It is the best. I'll continue talking about it. I promote it to all my friends and um, now I'm promoted on the podcast. It's very exciting. Uh, I appreciate it. Have fun this weekend at the game and um, hopefully we'll talk to you another time. All right. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks. 
So Bob Soups to Florida State confirmed, right? Thank you again to Jason for joining us on the podcast. Big fan of his work, followed his work for a while, and uh, I'm a big fan of all those guys in the athletics. So, you know, if you go to a school that's not Oklahoma, there's writers that'll cover you at the athletic. I mean, in fact, Max Olson had a great article about Matt Rule's ridiculous smock thing that he's been wearing. Um, so they do stories about a lot of teams, very interesting stuff, always good, and again, no ads. So that should sell it right there. And if you listened to the podcast and this is your first time listening to the podcast because you listen for Jason Kersey, I'm Scott Bedgood. I write the Big Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets newsletter. You can subscribe to that at Big12Bullets.com. Uh, there's a subscription link that'll pop up on the right side. I, I was disparaging pop-ups earlier, but this one has a picture of Bob Bowlesby in kind of a sexy pose. So, you know, listen, my pop-up is better than others. What can I say? You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you want to subscribe to, to podcasts, SoundCloud as well. Please like, please subscribe. Please tell me what you uh, like and what you dislike about the podcast. If you dislike something, just, you know, tweet me. Don't write it in a review. Only write good stuff in reviews. It's just a small request I have. But uh, I'll be watching the game Saturday. You'll be watching the game Saturday. The Utah game is Friday night. So if Oregon wins Friday night, then we know what's going to happen to the winner of the game on Saturday, unless we get something weird with Georgia and LSU. If Utah wins Friday night and they win handily, well, then, you know, it's going to be a different discussion. Uh, it'll be all about style points. It'll be all about, you'll be, oh, well, we won, but did, are we going to make it be very different? If Oregon, we're huge Oregon fans. If you're a Baylor or an Oklahoma fan, you're a huge Oregon fan on Friday night. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. And, and I'll talk to you guys next week on the Big 12 Bullets. (laughs) 